Listener Production. Welcome to Concussion, where Professor Vicky Anderson helps you understand everything important you need to know about head injuries, the lasting effects it may have, or whether it's just nothing to worry about. Professor Vicky Anderson, thank you so much for helping me out with this series. I was particularly excited for this one when we started scoping this concussion series because I've played contact sport my entire life. I played footy all my life and then I played American football for six years and I definitely took one or two or more hits to the head in that. So it was quite important to me that we did a series like this. Tell me a little bit about what you do and why you do what you do. Well, I suppose the first thing to say is that you're in the majority, given that you've had a few concussions, because most people uh, have had a concussion sometimes in in their life and um, done well. So I'm a neuropsychologist by profession, and I'm really interested in how the brain works and uh, how we behave on the basis of our uh, brain function. And um, over about 30 years, I've been investigating brain injuries, so mostly more severe brain injuries and more recently concussions. And I see kids clinically, but I also, uh, along with my team at the Murdoch, do research into concussion and recovery paths and what predicts long-term problems. So let's start from the top, I guess, with the brain. What parts of the brain are the most important when it comes to concussions and head injuries? So the brain's a pretty complex beast, but I suppose in the context of concussion, there's there's two main elements. So the brain's made up of a whole range of nerve fibres which connect the brain to the body, and they're really vulnerable in concussion because when a child or an adult gets a knock to the head, the brain within the skull is shaken around and those nerve fibres are stretched and pulled and sometimes they they break, they can recover, but um, there's often as a result a short period of uh, disorientation or Like an elastic band? A bit like an elastic band. I suppose the best way to describe it is these fibres have a coating on them and that coating can disintegrate when, when the brain's knocked or in particular when it's rotated and mostly in concussions, what happens is you get a knock on the side of your head and your head rotates and so the, those um, fibres all stretch. The other part of the brain that's really important in concussion is the, the surface of the brain, the grey matter of the brain, which is where we do all of our thinking. So the information comes up those nerve fibres into the thinking part of the brain and um, that can be bruised uh, in a concussion and um, often that's at a very micro level, so we don't see it on, you know, the whiz-bang brain scans that we can do now. But um, on occasion, that can cause some problems as well. Most of the consequences of those kind of uh, concussions recover pretty well over time. And, you know, there's a few studies now that show that you might see some some mild abnormalities immediately after a concussion. But then if you look three months out, you can't see those anymore. So that recovery is really important. Hmm. Well, let's talk about, I guess, the mechanics of what a concussion actually is. So I suppose the absolute 
crime element of a concussion is that you have to have a hit to your head, a knock to your head. That's really critical. And so the the formal definitions say a concussion is a knock to the head. So that's the initial event. And then the other parts of a concussion are the symptoms that we see. So to be defined as a concussion, kids have to present with at least two of a range of symptoms, like lots of kids will vomit when they have or in the hours after they've had a concussion. Pretty commonly, they'll have a headache, might be a mild headache, might be a really significant headache. They might have some some double vision, they might have a um, sore neck and they can often be quite disoriented. I remember one of my kids' friends had a concussion after playing basketball, so not while he was playing sport, but as he was leaving, he knocked his head on the top of a door. And um, after that, he was really disoriented and saying crazy things for about the the next hour or so. And people, um, this is a while ago, so people around him were not really sure what was going on. But looking back, that was a kind of classic concussion, not Mm. really being there. You need to make doors safer. (laughs) (laughs) He actually jumped up and... um, trying to tap the door uh, yes. and his head yes. he's very tall. That's so common <laughs> with, uh, with teenagers. Yeah, that's right. Asserting dominance <laughs> by hitting the top of a door. <laughs> that's exactly what he did and yeah. he paid for it. <laughs> and he had a week off school and then he was fine. <laughs> Getting back to the, the actual mechanisms. So when the brain's here, so, so if you think about the brain, it's within a sort of a bony skull and it's a very soft jelly-like organ. And so when when the skull hits anything, like it might be the footy ground, it might be a wall, um, any, any of those kind of things, um, the brain will reverberate backwards and forwards around about uh, within the skull and it, it will hit the skull, hit that bony skull. And so a lot of injuries are caused by that. And depending on the velocity of the injury, it will shake more. So if, if it's a really high velocity, high acceleration injury, it will the brain will shake backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. High velocity meaning something like a car accident? Or? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And there are concussive injuries that happen in car accidents. But then we have at the, at the very severe end, we'll have contra-coup injuries, so one side to the other. They will have really severe long-term uh, effects, whereas in concussion, it, it's a very minor kind of shaking, and uh, we don't tend to see too much in the way of long-term problems. Hmm. So, explain to me: is there a difference or a change in the brain from a child to like teenager, adolescent, and then to an adult? There is. So, it, it's kind of an interesting change. So, we're born with basically the structure that we'll have for the rest of our lives. So if you look at the, a baby's brain, it looks pretty much like an adult brain, mm. um, except for the aging brain. Mm. But the software of the brain changes quite a lot. So I was mentioning those, those nerve fibres that go from the body to the brain. Well, the coating on those grows and grows through childhood and really rapidly at certain times, particularly around about age five. And then there's another really significant growth spurt in early to mid-adolescence. And that's related to great gains in in skills, like particularly in the adolescent one, adolescents start to reason better and think about others and so on. (laughs) And so there's a bit of a dispute as to whether 
the young brain is actually more vulnerable because it doesn't have so much padding, we could say. So is it more vulnerable to these kind of injuries than the adult brain? And uh, in the concussion field, that's been reflected in the clinical management guidelines where the recommendation is that kids sit out of sport for four weeks, whereas in adults, it's more commonly two weeks. So that's sort of really reflecting the fact that we think the kids might take a little bit longer to recover. Mm-hmm. What about actually getting a concussion? Are you more likely as a child or as an adult? That's a really good question. And I don't think I know the answer to that one because what tends to happen in the research world or even in the medical world is you see kids or you see adults and you never put them together. But having having said that, I think the causes of concussion tend to be different. So in Lifestyle fact, causes. Yeah. And in fact, that's proven in the literature. So Kids tend to have their concussions more from falls, like they might be climbing on a table or a piece of play equipment and they fall off, whereas adolescents will be more likely to have their injuries playing sport or um, when you're getting into late adolescence, they might be a bit drunk and disorderly Mm -hmm. and fall over and hurt themselves or they might might be punched by someone at the pub or whatever. So, And then in, in adults, it's more likely to be sports and motor vehicle accidents. So how does the brain actually recover after an injury like that? So when we're, again, going back to when we're born, we're born with a set of neurons. So neurons are the fundamental kind of building blocks of the brain. And we're born with with a set of those and we don't ever develop more. So no matter what the injury is, you don't develop more neurons. So... We, you know, if you have a, a big injury to the brain, then that's why you have ongoing problems. If you have a small injury, what happens is that the connective parts of those neurons can reconnect so they can find one another again and so that kind of impulse uh, transmission can, can continue. Okay. But if it's, a, if it's a severe injury, the neurons themselves uh, are gone. Absolutely. Yep. And and so if you, you know, a couple of the kids that I've seen um, over the years who have really big injuries, if you look at their brain scan, they have a big hole in their brain and that either doesn't change or gets bigger as their brain grows. So Is that on a micro level or can you actually see no, that? No, you can see that really clearly. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Concussion is the big word. It's the one that's kind of thrown across media. It's thrown across. It's what we all hear. But there are different kinds of head injuries, aren't there? There are. Concussion makes up about 90% of all head injuries. But um, it's very much on the mild end of the continuum. So really part of the definition of concussion is there's no permanent brain damage done by the, the, the knock to the head. At the more serious end, we have traumatic brain injury, which can involve bleeds to the brain. It can involve um, very severe brain damage. Most of those more severe injuries are from motor vehicle accidents or from falls from a great height, for example. And they cause long-term permanent disability. So they might cause paraplegia and spinal cord injury. They might cause severe intellectual disability and memory dysfunction and difficulties with decision-making and independent living. So so there's, you know, two, two very disparate kind of extremes to this head injury area. And Really, it's where you fall on that continuum is dependent upon how much damage the brain 
actually received at the time of the head knock. How severe and what sort of problems do we see after a concussion and do they get do they get worse over time? So it varies um, among kids, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, as all medical conditions do. But the, we, we see a couple of sets of, of problems and mostly they relate back to the brain injury, the nature of the brain brain insult that the, the young person's had. So, so we see cognitive problems and that's my field. So we see that kids have trouble processing information. So they might be really slow in their conversations or they, their parents or their teacher might have to tell them three or four times the same information. Um, their attention tends to be really poor, so they can't concentrate to read a book or to you know, do, do research off the internet. And I suppose for me, the hallmark of the, the kind of cognitive problems is what we call working memory. And working memory is holding information in your mind while you're manipulating it in some way. And a, a great example of that is mental arithmetic. So I often, when I see kids, look at what their mental arithmetic's like. Um, and they can do maths on a piece of paper, but they can't hold it in their mind. And that has big Im- a big impact on their capacity to, to socialise and to go back to school. Second area is the motor area, the more physical area, and that's where the um, kids have significant headaches. They have, um, they can have vision problems, so double vision or just difficulties focusing, and then they can have balance problems where they they um, are more likely to fall over, and uh, and those problems are particularly important in terms of deciding on going back to to sport because if your balance is bad and you go back to sport, you're more likely to have another concussion. Mm. What about memory loss? So there's a little bit there can be a little bit of memory loss around the concussion. So when kids are disoriented, they're not laying down memories. Um, in their in their brain, so often they don't actually remember the concussion very well or the period around it. But what we tend to see when we assess these kids is that if we can get them to pay attention, their capacity to learn and remember things is quite good. But there's a bit of a um, a pipeline. You have to you have to be attending to take information in to be able to learn it. And the first part of the pipeline isn't working very well after concussion. Mm. And so the memory looks as though it's bad. The other group of, of symptoms is is an interesting one and one that, that we're particularly working on and only just more recently recognised, and that's the mental health side of things. So after a concussion, kids can get really anxious and depressed. They can have post-traumatic stress symptoms. They can have difficulties adjusting. And at the really severe end, they can have what psychiatrists and psychologists call a conversion disorder. And um, in my experience of many years, there's only been a couple of kids where that's happened, but it, you know, they, these kids start off looking not too bad and then they their symptoms get worse and worse and worse to the level that with one child, he ended up in a wheelchair and another child ended up blind with absolutely no physiological basis to that. So, you know, th- those mental health things, I think, are under-recognised and they're things that can be treated easily. Second thing you asked me was how uh, they recover. Mm. There's an upward recovery trajectory. So it's very rare after a concussion that kids deteriorate. So they'll have a couple of days where they have really significant symptoms. Pretty much all kids would have significant symptoms. And then they will just gradually recover. 
if kids do deteriorate, that probably means that there's something else happening. So there's a very small risk of a bleed in the brain. And so that's why um, when kids come to hospital, we say you need to watch them for the next 24 hours to make sure that if they go to sleep, they're rousable and so on. But the majority of kids, about 75% of kids will be completely recovered within two weeks after their concussion. They'll be back at school, they'll be back at sport, all fine. Then there's 25%, which we'll talk about later, Mm -hmm. who have ongoing problems that we need to treat. Uh, Maybe I can talk to you about a um, a young boy that that I've seen relatively recently. So um, most of the kids that we see haven't recovered better because we don't need to see those that do. But this boy was particularly interesting because uh, he was a really high achieving boy. So he was school captain, he was head of the football team and so on, really smart, which is, is often the case in these kids that have long-term problems. But when he had his, his um, concussion, he, um, he was initially assessed and given uh, out-of-date information about how to um, manage his symptoms. So he was told to rest and not do anything. And you know, one of the thing we one of the things we find with um, teenagers, if you ask them to risk and take away their phone, what do they do? They become really anxious. And so by the time I saw him, he he uh, had the view that he was not going to be able to manage his VCE exams. He was not going to be able to be an elite footballer like he wanted to be. And so he had completely catastrophized things. And when when we assessed him, when I assessed him, he's very bright, but he had r- these really significant working memory problems. So he, if you were talking to him, he couldn't hold information in his mind for enough time to be able to formulate a response. So it was really getting in the way of his friendships and his schoolwork. And I suppose uh, the interesting thing about that is is the secondary factors where not only does he have a working memory problem, but because he really wants to do well, he tries really hard. So he becomes exhausted. And so then he's not recovering because he's exhausted. So we had to spend a lot of time working with him, just helping him to deal with his um, catastrophizing about the future and talking him through normal development, which is what we do with a lot of kids. And it took him about three months, but then he got back to school and had no further ongoing problems. In fact, he did have another concussion after that. He was playing um, uh, in an Australian soccer team in, uh, I don't know whether it was Buenos Aires, somewhere in South America, and he had another concussion. And his his dad contacted me and said, well, I'm not sure what you did to him, but he's better after this concussion than he was after the last, than he was before the concussion. So, mm. and that just really highlights that just because you have really bad symptoms after one concussion, you're not necessarily going to have serious symptoms after another, you might recover really quickly. Yeah. And I suppose, would you be able to learn from, if you're having consecutive concussions, Mm -hmm. are you able to learn from the first one? This is how I felt. This is when you go see a specialist, you're taught how to properly, I guess, manage and diagnose it. Um, So the second concussion, you are more aware of what to do. Absolutely. And I think that's such an important point because what we find in the kids that we see in our studies is that Really, the awareness of them and their families and even the medical team around them about concussion and how to manage it and how to understand it is really poor. So part of what we try and do is normalise it. So talk about 
the fact that you'll have these really bad headaches in the first little while and then they'll gradually improve and you'll have this foggy feeling like you feel like you're not there mm. and that will gradually improve and you need to rest. And, and, and there's really good strategies around as there is with many kinds of injuries these days, not just sitting and resting, but pushing yourself. So push yourself till you get some of those symptoms and then have a rest and then push yourself again because every time you do that, you will be able to do a little bit more. Yeah, stronger. Yeah, and and so that's sort of both physical and psychological input, I think. Mm, I've been concussed before. I was playing, yes, I was playing American football and uh, I was tackled from the side by someone I wasn't aware of. And I came to, it was like having an out-of-body experience almost because I was aware of what I was doing, but I was doing the weirdest things. I got up and I started playing for the other team. No, like <laughs> I, I lined up with the other team and my brother, who plays on my team, he was, looks at me like, what are you doing? And so I'm like, I'm like oh, okay, whoops. And, and the quarterback's going down, said hut. And I just stood up and I didn't know what I was doing. Like I stood up and I was looking around and I didn't know why I was there. And my, my brother recognized this, he stopped the play and he's like taking me off the field. And I just remember being so mad at him <laughs> for not knowing how I was going to get home. <laughs> and and he, he was sitting there. He was like, you came with me. We, we, go, we do this every week. And I was so mad at him. It was just the weirdest thing, yeah. And that's, that's such a um, classic description, I think. And that's for those of us that are watching, that's how we really tell that you've had a concussion. Um, the AFL now do this video monitoring of all of the concussions that happen. And so they can really tell when someone's had a concussion. You know, it's pretty hard. You can have a little knock on the head and get up and you're fine. But the hallmark of concussion is you're completely out of it. <laughs> you, you know, you're really, really um, spaced out. And I mean, interestingly, you would have failed the sidelines test, which was things like what t- team are you playing for? Who's ahead? What time of day is it? You yeah. Know, things well, like I, that just, would... I remember um, our on-site physio asked me those things yeah. and I didn't care. I was like, I, I just wanted to know how I was getting home. <laughs> I didn't care. I was like, I don't care what time it is. <laughs> Thanks so much, Vicky. We'll be discussing what to actually do when you have a concussion in the next episode. Concussion was produced and presented by me, Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And the executive producer is Jennifer Goggin. Special thanks to Professor Vicky Anderson. Listener.